Hello, welcome back to the Book of Medora. It's me, Crystal. With me, as always, is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. We're finally going back to Link's hometown, the place where he was born and raised and engaged to be married. <laughs> All those things did happen. Hateno? Zora's Domain. Oh. Cameron, for me, as the resident Meef Linker, would you recap the general situation with Link and Zora's Domain? <laughs> Okay, just for uh, Link and Zora's Domain or Zora's Domain generally? Specifically Link's relationship to it. Okay, so when he was younger, Link was brought along to Zora's Domain alongside his father, who was a royal knight of Hyrule. And he spent a great deal of time among the Zora youth of that era, Enough so that these long-lived people remember him as a constant companion and that he was able to develop very complicated and complex interpersonal relationships with many of the Zora youth. For instance, he was a member of the Baz Brigade, um, a bunch basically like the, uh, oh hell, what's the name of that? those little badass kids that they had a TV show about? Um, one of them was... The kids Next Door? Well, no, I was thinking quite a bit older than that, but yeah. The Goonies? Basic, huh? The Goonies? No, not the Goonies. That's closer in spirit to what I was thinking about. Uh, little... Uh, rascals? Little Rascals. Thank you. Yes, it was... Ba- but Kids Next Door is also very good because if you assume that the Kids Next Door are just imagining all this shit happening, then yes, that's basically what the Basper did. But um, while he was there, he formed a close relationship with the young Princess Mifa, who, as she watched him grow up, became very affectionate toward him, um, and he was involved in some romantic entanglement, at least on some level. The woman who runs the hotel now at one point asked Link to choose between her and Mifa, and Mifa created the Zora armor, the only armor that Link has commissioned to be repaired between the two games, as as an engagement present to Link, as is tradition amongst Zora of her position. And after Mifa died, Link kept the... Link returns to Zora's domain. He is given the armor by her father and basically saves Zora's domain in it. And, um, yeah, it's just... This is a very deep personal connection that he has to this place, only built up more in Breath of the Wild when he forms a fast new friendship with the Prince Sidon. Mifa's younger brother, uh, who is the subject of the most intense and, I think, most populous body of shipping in Breath of the Wild. So Link returning to Zora's Domain here is returning not just to a place that we played in, but to one of the only places in the game where Link has a real emotional and historical grounding as a character. It's where he was raised. Kind of where he was raised. It's where he was raised. It's where he learned how to fight. It's where he learned how to fall in love. All sorts of things happened here. Well, a hundred and five years after that. Oh, you want me? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> there's been some. Sl- there's been a sludge issue. There has been a sludge <laughs> issue. Some sanitation problems. Oh no. Yeah, they uh, the the there has really been a big uh, we'll call it a biological waste increase in Zora's domain. The pristine waters are no longer so pristine. Does Zora's Domain have a sewer system? Okay. (laughs) Do they swim in their own poop? Now, hold on. We know that 
the Zelda series is one of the only video game series where characters canonically poop. Yes. It's why they have turlets. So I don't think they don't appear to have a sewer system as such. So where do they poop? How do they keep the water clean? They poop in the river and the river carries it away. You mean carries it downstream? Yes. That is a very British answer to that question. I don't think they shit in the river. Well, where do they shit? Well, you know what? I would like to formally request we put a pin in this and return to it a little bit later. They are elves and elves don't poop. You're saying that Hylians poop, but Zora don't. Sure. Crystal, what's your take on this? Um, I mean, it seems to me like they could use something of a filtration system. Maybe Link could build it with his ultra hands to... To make sure the sludge issue doesn't happen again. They feed fish the poop and then they eat the fish. Fucking God. I feel like um, previously we had a conversation uh, last week. We actually had a conversation last week about acts of excretion amongst the Gorons. Did we? Not last week, but an episode or two ago. Whether or not uh, Gorons poop. Yes, we did. What was the conclusion there? Um, as I recall, Crystal said that they like to imagine that Gorons just perfectly incorporate whatever they eat. Yeah, I think they have 100% efficient digestion. That They're rock people, though. They're a little different. Crystal, why have you brought up the sewer system? Because of the sludge issue. There's a backup. It is not a backup. It's coming <laughs> from the sky. It's not like one of them just like flushed too many Kleenexes when you're not supposed to, and it made all the toilets overflow. I really thought it was going to be like a manufacturing, like a factory backup issue, but it wasn't. Where would that take place? There are ancient robots. There's an ancient robot factory in the sky, I thought. And therefore, the factory is spewing pollution. Yeah, all right. Well, there is definitely a sludge issue in any case. Whenever I, the fir- Crystal, where did you first encounter the sludge? Uh, I saw it on the at a distance while approaching this big sphere near Zora's domain. Oh, okay. The first place that I saw it was at the tower, the Sheikah Tower. I guess it's not really a Sheikah Tower anymore. But the Sheikah Tower um, that's in the Zora's Domain zone. And is it Baz who's down there? It's Baz. And he's covered in the sludge and you have to throw water bombs at him to clean him off. Otherwise, he would have just choked to death on the sludge. My thought when I encountered it was, this is inconvenient terrain, but... Yeah, that's pretty bad for Azora. Yes, extremely bad. They're going to die. I thought it was pretty neat when we discovered that you could, like, stick a piece of, oh, what was it? Um, What's the water stone? Sapphire? Yeah, you could stick a, wait, no, sapphire is cold. Oh, sorry, opal? Opal. You could stick an opal on the end of a magic rod and swing it, and the bouncing water balls would get rid of all the sludge in front of you. Yes. That was neat. And it works with a spin attack? Yes. Okay, so Crystal, what's actually happening with the sludge? It's been making all the water dirty. Well, Gooping yeah. everything. And it's even been affecting the, the, the spring at Mipha Court, which Sidon is trying to purify. <laughs> Crystal, did you arrive at Mipha Court first or Zoro's Domain first? Like, what was your route in? I arrived at Mipha Court first. Really? Same with me. I, I definitely came through the domain first. As a gamer, I always do what's high before I do what's low. <laughs> uh, my gaming approach is definitely do not go to the place they want you to go, which is Zora's Domain. Yeah, who could ever imagine they would want you to go up on Ployness Mountain? 
Well, no, it looked kind of interesting, so I was going to explore there. So our experiences of this were quite different because, Crystal, let me know if this was your experience. You went there. Uh, Sludge was there. Uh, Sidon's there. Hey, Sidon. And uh, a giant statue of Mifa has now been moved to Plymouth Mountain. Is that how it was for you, Crystal? That's exactly right. I saw there was a statue of Mifa there. Then I saw, oh, Sidon's here. I guess I'll talk to him. Okay. Well, for the sake of our listeners, I'm going to do it the way that I did it, which is coming in through Sora's domain and seeing that the statue in the middle of the court was all covered in sludge. And I was like, oh, no, I got to get rid of this sludge. So I threw some water balls at it. And then it was a new statue. It was not the same statue. It was a new statue that had been commissioned in the six year gap. Of Link riding Sidon. <laughs> Crystal, tell me about the statue. The statue of Mifa? No, the one in Zora's Domain Courtyard. I gotta be honest, I didn't pay much attention to the statue in Zora's Domain Courtyard. <gasps> oh, it's actually Link. Get a screenshot. It, it's Link riding Sidon. Get a screenshot. It's Oh, is that what that was? Yes. It's uh it's very intimate looking. It's very intimate. Hold on, I'm pasting it into the line. Okay, I see it. Oh, I thought that was just Sidon, but now I see Link on his back. Yes. Uh, you can see it. He's wearing the full Zora armor set, too. Because this is the uh, attack on Varuta. Bar- the assault of? Yeah, the attack on Varuta. So they made a statue of Link riding Sidon. They put, they made a statue. <laughs> Sidon had commissioned a statue of his best friend for all time, Link, riding him like a horse and put it in the middle <laughs> of the square for everyone to see. It's good to be king. It's it's good it's good to be well, king, I guess. It it's it's apparently means a lot to the Zora of this domain, so says Yona. Uh it it depicts the majestic forms of the pair who saved this cherished domain in the past. It is the beloved Prince Sidon of the Zora and his very best friend, Sir Link, the heroic Hylian swordsman. So Sidon's been telling her about Link. Sidon can't stop talking about Link, actually. Every day, uh, Yona says, pretty much. Can you believe some people said that this game tried to pretend that Sidon was straight? He's not. He has a very intimate relationship with Link. Yes, but I think this goes beyond, like, regular male intimacy where you might tell your friend that you love them. This is a little further. He, at the very least has a absolutely painful crush on Link. But it's not meant to be because the prince of this Zora's domain must marry a noble of another Zora's domain? Yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Tell tell me about the two Zora's domain thing. I caught that Yona is not from here. She's from somewhere else. But I never quite caught any more detail about what that somewhere else is. Isn't that funny? They never say it. It's just that she's from another domain. As I recall, it's in her character bio uh, in the game's compendium. That's one way to bring up that there are other other Zora, other Zora's domains. Other kingdoms altogether. Other kingdoms. Different Hyrules, even. It's weird because they don't say anything like that as such, but it's the kind of uh, lore that is very confusing to people who follow the Historia timeline, but slots suspiciously easily into the Accursed timeline. 
There is How's a second that? Zora's domain in the Accursed Timeline, naturally. Yeah, there are two Zora's domains in the Accursed Timeline. One in the Ocarina of Time Hyrule, one in the Breath of the Wild Hyrule. Okay. That's it. I guess in in if we read it according to the old Accursed Timeline, which I don't know if we still can because that timeline does need to be cleaned up a lot. But if we do it like that, she's coming from the Ocarina of Time domain. Where is it? It's in another country across the sea, I would suppose, or possibly across some landmass. Okay, it's over in the New Kingdom. You the, have to cross over the Lost Woods. Uh, okay, so the New... Oh, yes, the New Kingdom. The New Kingdom. But we need to clarify for the listeners that New Hyrule, the Spirit Tracks Hyrule, is in the Old Kingdom. <laughs> Which is also where this Zora's domain is. Yes, the New Zora's domain in the New Hyrule in the Old Kingdom. We've got to use a numbering system. We've got to... The, the old, new, new, old thing is a little confusing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did this. When I did this, they had somewhat fewer... Somewhat, somewhat fewer Zora's domains. Somewhat fewer Zora's domains. This is the Zora's domain of Spirit Tracks Hyrule. Yes, that is what I would like to suggest. And it has been since Breath of the Wild. That slots pretty easily. The new thing is that... Uh, Yona apparently comes from another Zora's domain, which implies that that was established some time ago and could be the one from Ocarina of Time. She could also be from, um, what do you call it? What? Termina? Termina! Oh, Jesus. What are some other- Could she be from Termina? What are some other kingdoms that have Zora in them? Uh, Oracle of Ages kingdom, Labrina. Ooh. Inside of the whale's dream? Wait, there are like people Zora in Link's Awakening? No, no. In Phantom Hourglass? Oh. Were there Zora there? Were there Zora in Phantom Hourglass? I don't think there were. Oh, okay. I think they had- No, there were not. Okay. Yeah. I think they had like weird walrus people or something. Mm, Okay. It's been a while. It has been a while. But Termina doesn't really have royal Zora at the time that we checked in on them. Not that we're aware of. Lulu could have still been a princess. Princess of- Music. Hell yeah. Princess of Pop. But the Oracle of Ages Zora Village does have a king. Oh, that's right. It does have King Zora, doesn't it? That's right. I don't think I've ever seen that. Monica, you forgot to bring that up. That was full on four years ago? Yeah. That was so a she lot. could be from Labrina. She could be from Labrina. It is connected to Hyrule and is white, but it's also- con- through the ocean. Yeah. It's connected to Ocarina of Time Hyrule. I think, which is where, you know what? It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't, what matters is that she comes from a a different Zora's domain and she's like, hey, you're the guy that um, my husband-to-be really wants to like actually have as a side piece. Oh, you don't know? Yeah, we've been engaged since forever. I I can allow for a circumstance in which Sidon just really, really, really likes Link as a friend. (laughs) I can also allow for the scenario where he really, really likes Link as more than a friend. Yes. What do you? What's your take on it, Crystal? How much does Sidon like Link? I think Sidon has a sublimated romantic love for Link that Sub- can never, never be uh, consummated. Why is it sublimated, and why can't it be consummated? Because he's a prince, and the prince must marry a woman. So gotta hatch those eggs. So I know. I, I think the, the the bigger impediment is like Sidon is sort of so oblivious that he might never clue into this. It's like, of course I want to kiss my best friend. 
Who doesn't want to kiss their best Who doesn't want their best friend to gently stroke their face while they're lying in bed waiting to fall asleep? Who doesn't want to commission a statue of their best friend riding them? And use that as the centerpiece for their entire culture. I don't think that it's unrequited. I think that Sidon and Link can still do stuff on the side. Like, it doesn't have to be sublimated, is what I should say. To me, it gets weirder if you assume a romantic connection to Mifa. I'm not saying that Link necessarily has to answer it, but Sidon wants to fuck Link. I think it's it's a dream for Sidon, but if it ever became reality, it wouldn't live up to me. <gasps> huh. Because, you know, Link is like... The cool older guy that his sister was going to marry. And then, because of reasons, they were able to be basically the same age. Yes. So I was like, wow. It's like, now he's not an old man. Now we're the same age and we can hang out and stuff. So you think that he's like processing his crush. And over a course of years, he might realize that he didn't want what he thought he wanted. Yeah, something like that. That's a very mature reading and a very mature version of that story. I really appreciate that the fandom, again, kids these days are more likely to create a scenario where there's just a poly relationship. It's just like, Sidon has two hands. Rather than, you know, demonify Yona or say that she's a a beard or or any of the myriad ways that in the 90s and aughts they would have spun that. Oh, the conversation around Yona has been miraculously restrained since Tears of the Kingdom, our generation would have been way more misogynistic about her. Or maybe I'm just looking in the right places. Like they were about um, uh, Malin and Zelda? Yeah, actually. The Nintendo's Tifa and Aerith? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> that, 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 the, 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 yeah, the shipping wars haven't touched Yona. And it says something because the Tifa... Eris shipping wars are still ongoing? Yes. That one, perplexing. Why is it perplexing? The game's very clear about what the ship is. <laughs> okay, I need you to tell me what the ship is. It's Tifa. Okay, Crystal. I don't prefer it, but What's that's your take what it on says. it? Yes, I think the obvious intent of the game is Cloud Tifa, and Aerith is just projecting her love for Zack yes. onto Cloud. Yes. I agree with that. And she's also much more than that. She genuinely becomes a Madonna. Yes. And she goes to heaven to bone Zack. <laughs> and Tifa and Cloud do fuck in a barn in the game itself. I, just, I do not remember that, but I believe you. Well. It's been a while. I'll replay the game soonish. Uh, But I wouldn't say that this scenario is like Zelda Malin or Tifa and Eris. The specific vitriol i'm talking about is where a a woman gets in the way of two guys oh yeah that that is that is the danger zone yeah and i'm trying to think of the old got in the way there are many examples there are examples um i'm sure that a lot of people uh for something that our listeners might be old enough to remember i'm sure that a lot of naruto fans back in the early series were absolutely toxic about sakura because it got in the way of the uh, Naruzuke ship. She, she didn't really uh, show up too much, though, so there's not too much to be mad at. <laughs> no, but, like, uh, back in the early part of the series, like the first 20 or 50 chapters. Not Sakura, it's Hinata. Oh, yeah. And it's Sasunaru. <laughs> Sorry, I... I That's I, a ship name. I don't know. I'm it's not, okay. 
but yes, she she's Hinata's an excellent example. Or Zelda getting in the way of the Link and Sheik ship. What? That, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that's not real. There is a whole. You both were there. Link. <laughs> no, Sheik was not treated as a separate person by the fandom until there like, was a lot. No. There was, right from the get-go, as someone who was there, that was and still is a thing. I will defer. And a very active tag. I will defer to you on this. Why, why would you just throw away all the opportunities offered by Link having a gender-fluid husband? Yeah, I don't know. Just See? throwing away all the... It's like, you don't want to deal with gender, you just want yaoi. That's not a very interesting way to use Ocarina of Time's character. Well... I mean, there's so much fucking gender. There was uh, kind of a toxic, kind of still is, but you know. This is some fucking Rose of Versailles shit. You could have Rose of Versailles in Zelda. Alas. Yeah, there's like, it was interesting at the time because there was maybe three ways to look at it. There were people who were going, I only like het, and then they get very weird and homophobic. Right. And then there's people who are like, I only like yaoi and i'm using yaoi because there's that unhealthy they get weirdly misogynistic <laughs> yes and then you know the the, the golden path <laughs> which is like hey gender's a construct you know zelda can change her body however they want and you know that's cool and and ship them because you know because the ship because tr- the trip transcends gender uh-huh if little zelda, monica's path if zelda was ever Canonically and exclusively represented as a man, the ship would remain unchanged. Yes. Find that golden path. I mean, they kind of did, which is saying Sidon has two hands. They've they've much, yeah, it's much. Much better than our day. Yes. Or at least on Tumblr, it's better. I don't know if it's better in other places. The Bene Gesserit have been scheming for thousands of years for the golden (laughs) path of Sheik Link. (laughs) I mean, you're not even wrong, really. If Monica's the Bene Gesserit, then. Oh, gosh. You kind of are. Am I? Yeah. But they're, like, meddling. Yeah. Am I meddling? Yeah. Oh, darn. You're the one who gets me to write fanfic. Yes. Well, I don't make you. Of course you don't. It's all plausibly deniable. That's the whole... Uh, and that is the whole bandage. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Okay. Uh, the Zora. I don't know why we're talking about the Zora. We really got off course just a no, little bit. No, I think that this is, this is important to understanding not just this story, but also the... Uh, fan culture that exists around it which to me is always the most interesting part of these stories crystal uh what is sidon up to at the moment we encounter him first sidon is trying to use his water powers to keep the sludge at bay in mifa court he is he because they don't have a sewer system or like a water filtration system (laughs) sidon is their living water filtration system we find out during this whole sequence and this is new, this is new to Tears of the Kingdom, that all Zora have different forms of water magic, and that Mipha's healing power was a specific iteration of that water magic. Similarly, um, Yona has healing and filtration magic, not as powerful as Sidon or Mipha, but she can do it just like all can do it. So Yona and her three attendants are acting as uh, medical triage for people who have been hurt by the sludge. And Sidon's magic? He's using it to filter out the muck. So if Mipha is the white mage, Yona is the red mage, Sidon is the black mage? 
That's right, yes, because Sidon... Well, no, he also makes shields. His chief thing is actually a shield. Okay. So he would probably be a spell blade in Final Fantasy terms. Because if there's one thing Sidon knows how to do, it's get Link all wet. You gotta be closer to the mic, girl. I laughed. <laughs> I, this is a, an, an untenable solution. Unsustainable solution. He's not that freaked out, but when I got there, I'm like, shit, how, you're, you've been up. And you're you're awake through the night, just filtering the water. He's just doing it. He's he's like a mythical hero. He's been doing it for days, weeks. That's bananas. He's a tough guy, and he doesn't complain about it because he loves his kingdom. I I I can't imagine. Like nobody seems to be thinking. Like, gee, we really need to think about some sort of filter or mesh or cloth or. Something. Just a big cheese cloth. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, something. Rather than depends one guy. Okay, fair. But have you considered? I've got nothing. I, I don't know. I, I thought maybe one of the solutions to this quest would be like, Link needs to ultra hand a whole pipe system. Yeah. To filter the sludge. That'd be cool. Or wherever the, uh, the sludge falls, you get a giant funnel. <laughs> one thing that's weird to me is that Flowing water destroys the sludge. That's right. So how can it affect a river? It's at such quantity. No, I don't buy that. You can destroy huge amounts of sludge with like one water flower worth of water. But maybe it's still kind of goopy. So collectively, the volume is getting to... So the magic power of the Zora can like eliminate the sludge altogether, basically disintegrate it, right? Yes. I'd like to argue that's why they don't have a sewer system. (laughs) I didn't expect it. I told you I would come back to it. Okay, but we can clean things up, but we still have a sewer system. Can we? I don't think we actually can clean things up the way that they can clean things up. If we could, I don't think we would have a sewer system. We can take our clothes in a bag to the river and beat it with a stick to dry it off. But we also have machines for that. Right. But if you had magic that would let you put your clothes in water, hold your hands out, and focus your life energy to remove and obliterate all of the contaminants on your clothing, would you have a washing machine? What if I wanted to use my life energy for something else? Well, regardless. Yes. I think that this is where the Zora poop goes. They just magic it away. So they poop and then they they magic it. Or they filter, maybe they have a big communal cesspit somewhere and it's just regularly tended to. I would like to posit that the Zora filtration that Sidon's doing is actually, he generates water. It is what he does for Link as his ability. So the water that he's magicking out of nowhere is breaking down the sludge. He creates water? Yes, he creates water. From from nothing? I want to say that it's more like he gathers up water particles in the air, but Monica's right. He can do that in scenarios where there wouldn't be any water in the air, like inside the Death Mountain Caldera. This is the Varuta problem. He has to be taking the water from somewhere, but maybe he's not. Maybe Zora have a water pouch. Maybe there's a place deep under the earth where water goes to and they draw from that source magically. I don't know. I don't know. Where is the underground sea? Where is he getting this water? Okay, so you're thinking that he generates the water and blasts it. So what the hell is Mifa or Yona doing? Because they, they say that their magic is controlling water. The healing, you mean? 
Yeah. They are running healing waters inside of and around you. Healing waters. Yes. Maybe they use the water in their body. I mean, that's possible. Maybe that's what's inside on his head. It's just the excess water. water. <laughs> like a camel. It's a lot bigger on the inside than the outside. You wouldn't think that, but it is. Okay, so we also learned that God helped me. Let's actually do the story here. We also learned that there is there was a monster. Oh, yes. Oh, would you like me to lead through the pathway here? Okay. So if you go to Sidon first, he'll point you to Zora's Domain to talk to his fiance. If you go to Zora's Domain first, Yona will direct you to go talk to Sidon. Um, either way, uh, they lead you to two sort of things. One, uh, King Dorfan and Muzu uh, went out to explore when... Uh, the ruins and sludge started to rain down and surely they must be coming back from their investigation soon. And also Sidon sent Giato, another old guy out to investigate ruins to try to piece together the mystery of what's going on. So you can follow both paths. It's sort of a free form investigation. Um, Crystal, which one did you go with first? I went to, uh, to go see the, the stone by the lake. I think that was the same for me, Cam. I wanted to find the king. Huh. You really took a different pathway. Yes. Well. That's my dad. That's my dad-in-law. I want to see that he's doing all right. We overrule you, though. Okay. Uh, Toto Lake, we go to see Giotto. Uh, He's staring at an ancient Zora tablet of the writing I have here. You help to fix it. And the writing is like waves on a stormy sea, uh, left by the ancestors of the Zora. Stand upon the land of the sky fish, and behold its lofty view. Among the floating rocks, you see a droplet waits for you. Through this droplet, shoot an arrow with the mark of the king. Do this task, and you shall reveal a most wondrous thing. See the watery bridge's resting spot with your own two eyes, that which connects the Zora to the people of the skies. This rhyme was inoffensive. People from a million years ago really make extremely accurate <laughs> predictions of what would exist a million years in the future. <laughs> Zelda's very good at that sort of thing. You think this is Zelda doing it? I think that she definitely gave them some information. Yeah, there's there's two things, I think, three things maybe, which made me think that this was planned by Zelda or uh, by the people who are... Who are um, the sages post Zelda draconification. Go on. Uh, this is sort of one of them. The very clear directions on on shooting an arrow and getting access this way, and even the symbol of the droplet. I realized today it's a tear. I, I guess it could be a just a water drop, but it tear is being very thematic throughout the rest of this game, I'm assuming this is actually a tear of the dragon, effectively. The other thing that was really, really convenient, uh, there's another side quest, which I think, Cam, you might have done first, because it was right there, is uh, Link handed over his Zora armor to the Zoras uh, some time ago, because it was needing repair. Yes. And it was given to Yona to repair, and she's like, I can fix it. I just need uh, the scale of an ancient arowana because it's necessary. But, you know, nobody's caught this fish in ages. Uh, but coincidentally, it's been found in 
uh, Mephus court. The fish just flopped from the sky downwards there. Yes. That's a big coincidence. It is a very big coincidence. Why the fuck do they know about the ancient arowana? And why would it be necessary? Did Mipha have an ancient arowana when she made the armor originally? Or is it only necessary for the repair and not the construction? Crystal, what do you think? Uh, Zelda told them exactly what to I'm sorry? <laughs> Zelda knows everything. What's this about the ancient... Tell them exactly what to Okay, but is the ancient arowana necessary in the construction? Why not? Because it wasn't available until the upheaval. Zelda gave him one. Crystal, are you checked out now? Is that what happened? No, it's just like... We've established that Zelda can tell people from a million years ago extremely specific details so they can have extremely specific things prepared. So why not? Why couldn't she give him an arowana somehow? Give Mifa an arowana. Yeah. How? <laughs> uh, send a mail. Like, you know, like... Uh, Send an extremely specific mail, deliver only on this date to this specific person. <laughs> Whoa. To Link's fiance. Yeah, but where would Mifa get the fucking fish? They only Zelda appear in the one sky. From the time stream. It's a really weird thing to say. Like, when you talk to the um the blacksmith, what's his name? Uh, Dento. Dento. He says that in the distant past it was used. And I'm like, what, but what's distant past? Is it a hundred years ago it's when we not, not for Azora. Right, not for him who was alive during that time. Yeah. I think that I think that Yona gives it to you not because it's necessary, but as like a test. I did think that was possible. How do you feel about that reading, Crystal? Maybe that's a little more reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Just a smidge. I I the two the two scenarios I thought of was one, it's it's like glue, like repair glue, super glue. Yeah. So, Link, you got to get this super glue. Nobody usually asks for these things to be repaired, but if you do, you need this ancient super glue. Okay. Uh, the other one is Yona's like, you know, does Link really deserve this tunic back? He has to go visit the statue of Mipha, if so, where that ancient fish just miraculously plopped down at. Sidon really will not shut the fuck up about this guy. <laughs> I've got I've, I've to see if he's all that in a bag of chips. Here's an impossible question. You bring it to her and she's like, huh, yeah, that is the fish. Well, guess I'll use it. You probably already have one of the fish in your inventory. <laughs> yes, I did. Okay, now can we go find Dorfan, goddammit? Because that's actually one of the most fun little quests in the thing. Yes. And it relates to the main quest, which is Zelda doing a bad thing and people not seeming to understand why. Though, at least in Zora's Domain, they're like, okay, the princess of Hyrule has decided to fucking kill us. Well, yes, let's let's go find Dorfin. Like, even Dento is like, listen, Link, we allow you in here because you've done right by us and we did wrong by you in the past. But this shit she's doing, what the fuck is going on? So how do you find Dorfin? Well, Crystal, do you happen to remember, by the way? Because I did the slate first. I fought the mini boss. Does he appear after that? I think you need to go and talk to Dorofan at least one time before the mini boss will appear. Maybe twice. You need the story, like the true story about Zelda bringing down the like like, which is something that only Dorofan knows about. And you need to talk to Dorofan after you did the slate. Well, I don't remember the exact ordering here. But the slate tells you to get a scale, and Dorofan's like, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, it's like or here. The mark of the king. Have one of mine. We should talk about that too. But anyway, go ahead then. Uh, 
the way I found him was in the throne room. Uh, you can jump onto his throne. There are kids playing around. And they're like, we're not telling you anything, Boomer. That is exactly what happens. Did you do this bit, Crystal, where the kids are like, we're not talking to you, old man? Yes, that's right. Yes. And so you crouch down because the throne has a, a uh, what do you call it when Just you put your feet? Just a little pool in front of it. You put your feet in a salt bath or a spritz bath. Sure. Whatever it is. Uh, it's higher than Link is. So he's like, yeah, I'm hiding. And uh, the kids are like, yeah, we're going to the pristine sanctum or something. I don't know. And they give you the location of it. Yes. Not it's- not super clear why Dorafan told these kids about it. I think they heard. Oh, okay. And it is behind the waterfall that's behind Zora's Domain. Yes. Or in front of Zora's Domain. There's like two waterfalls. Yeah, either way. The it's first behind one, a waterfall. The first one, if you go... If you go up the second one, you'll find Dorfan. If you go behind the second one, you find a helmet. Sweet. So you go find Dorfan. Dorfan is wounded. He's in bad shape. And old man uh, Bozu? Mozu? Mozu. Old man Mozu is there with him. And Dorfan's like, I got the sludge stuff on me bad. When I was up at Mifa's court, Zelda appeared and she summoned a terrible monster. She wasn't, it wasn't clear where they were. Sure. Zelda summoned a terrible monster. Muzu says that they saw Princess Zelda with their own eyes right after the phenomenon at Hyrule Castle took place. Uh, they're all very much on guard, or, or Muzu is. Dorfin still trusts Link because Link's eyes betray no hint of deception. Yeah, that's, that's how he is. And uh, there must be an explanation, but Zelda came down with a sludge monster and then she unleashed the sludge monster. Dorfan vanquished it and uh, was hurt very badly for what must have been months. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. If this happened right after the upheaval, Crystal, we had agreed that the upheaval was months ago, right? Yeah, it feels like months ago. So Dorfan's been recuperating in this place literally for months. He looks like he's about to die. (laughs) He does look like he's about to die. I genuinely worried that he would die over the course of the story. Um, He's not doing great. This is a very bad diplomatic incident. It, it's about as bad as it can get when you um, are plausibly framed for assassinating a head of state. They hide out here because if Muzu said, if word got out that Princess Zelda lost her mind and harmed the Zora King, the resulting turmoil would be devastating. There would be war. War against who? Um, I don't know. The Hylians? At the very least, they would take it up with the Sheikah, probably. Or the Sheikah would take it up with them. <laughs> the Sheikah would. I don't know. I don't know. It, I, go ahead. I don't feel like it would come to war. I feel like they would work it out and realize that Zelda's not Zelda. That also makes sense. That is what they're thinking, I guess, because they're hiding. But it's stunning to me that if your ruler is attacked, and it's pretty clear, it seems like it's the other ruler. It's like, huh. Maybe they just don't want the other Zora to turn racist against Hylians. So they cover it up? Apparently. I mean, I'm not saying that they're right here. I'm just trying to follow what their reasoning was. Zelda has accrued enough... uh, Oh, God. uh, Ally points? Friendship points? Yeah. I'm a good person (laughs) points with the Zora? What's that, Crystal? So attacking the king only brings his approval rating to, like, zero. I was going to say it brings it to like 25. It brings Muzu's to zero. That has to be at like minus 50 for there to be war. Yeah. 
at positive 25, he's still like, I don't want the other Zoras to misunderstand and get mad at the Hylians. We can't handle that shit right now. We have to lie to them because they're too stupid to understand. I, I, I guess that's his reasoning. So depending on the order that you do these things, you might visit Dorfan once, you might visit him twice. Either way, uh, once you do know about the Mark of the King, Dorfan's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's one of my, my head scales. This is this literally is cost me no effort, uh, so here you go. Here's five of them. Cost him no effort? That's what he it says. It means very little to him, yes. It's it's okay. kind of strange. <laughs> How ever do you mean? Uh, firstly, from a game perspective, why did they stick in this weird item? What do you mean? Crystal, did you do anything with the King Scale after the, the one mission-related, story mission-related quest for it? No, I just used it to shoot at the tier. Can't but you can get infinite King Scales, right? You can't. Yeah, you can just keep going back. Uh, only like, five at a time. Is, Go ahead. Is he shedding them, or is he pulling them off? I think he's probably shedding them. Okay. I think he's pulling them off. Okay. Well, maybe... Well, you you can see looking at him that he is not um, Piscine. He is a cetacean Zora, right? Uh-huh. He's a whale. He's He's a big old whale. So what I would like to suggest is that if cetacean-style Zora do have scales as such, and clearly they do because he pulls them off and gives them to you. And Mifa has scales. Apparently. But uh, I would like to suggest that maybe Cetacean Zora have scales, but their scales are like rabbit hair. Comes out in clumps? And no, they just have hundreds of thousands of them. Oh, So he could just like reach up and grab anywhere on his head and pull, and he would get like 50 of them. But... They seem to be larger in size when you drop them. They're pretty big. It's magic. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the reason. No, isn't it? We know what size they are because we've seen them. And they're not, that's little. I don't think that he can pull out 50 at a time, but he pulls out five at a time. (laughs) Listen, when I pull fur off of Mochi's butt, it looks a great deal larger than it did when it was on his butt. This is true. Okay, but that's because it's flexible hair and not a rigid scale. Maybe these are flexible. They're flexible scales? I don't see why not. Maybe they're more like- Are they being bent on his body and like folded in on each other? They kind of look like fans, actually. Maybe they're more like pseudo feathers. You can actually, if you just drop the scales and then try to ask Dorafen for more, he knows. (laughs) He he has a connection to his scales. (laughs) I He's like, hold on, there's still a little bit of me right outside the door over there. What what are you trying to pull here? This is weird. Well, I mean, I I didn't want to bring this. I, I This wasn't my choice of conversation. I just wanted to talk to my father-in-law and help him. I, I saw that and he was like, go and protect my people while I cannot. And I was like, you got it, dad. Okay, here's my stuff about the scales, of which I have many concerns. Oh. One, why are these scales special? Uh, he has a special bloodline because he's the king. So it's it's passed through blood, you would say? I would say so, yes. And and does Sidon have this quality? He's not the king yet. So so, so it doesn't activate until you're the king. I don't think that right. it's a bloodline thing. I think that it is something conferred upon you when you uh, attain kinghood. Well, not just anyone can be king. But when you do officially become the king, 
the magic of the ritual gives you king scales. That is what I would like to suggest, at least the latter half. It is imbued on you and your scales change. It is imbued upon you by the people. So through this logic, Sidon will have this shortly. Yes. Do do women get this? Like would only if they're the king. Would Queen Rutella have it? Or Mifa. She might have queen scales. And there are such things as queen scales. Are there? Mifa has that silver scale. No, it's a white scale, but they're not called queen scales. But was it wasn't it equality just for royalty? No. Royal women? Or is it all women? It's not said. Wait, wait. We know the answer to this. It's Zelda. She knows who the king is. She knows, so she would build this, she would, (laughs) she would order that this tier be built specifically to be pinged to Dorafan scales. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It is possible because Dorafan remarks like, nobody actually, we know about this mark of the king and this, the king's scales are important, but nobody really knows why or how to use it. Oh, th- I don't like how this is coming together, but it is definitely coming together. Because it's this- always Zelda; she's behind it all. That that tear shaped thing to access the water temple is really just for this one moment. Okay. Nobody in the past needs. Okay, Crystal, where do we go to use the king's scale? You have to go to a big fish island that's near Nefa's court. It's a fly and- island. Yes, and uh, if you if you look at the rocks. Near the island, floating in the air from the right angle, they look like a tear. Yeah, shoot your arrow right into that tear. What does it do? It opens a little, little, little thing in the big lake for Sidon to make a vortex around. Right. There's a pillar of light. Right, yes. Um, this game shows that Sidon is capable of moving millions of liters of water at a hundred kilometers an hour by swimming in circles really, really, <laughs> really, really, fast. really, really, really fast. Yeah. And I guess he's like dragging it with his water magic too. I, I think before we get there, although I, I did have to bridge my notes, we have to go get Sidon first. Okay, where do we go? Oh, yes, you're you're super right. We have to go get Sidon because he's like, I cannot leave Mifa's court. My people need me to filter out the water. And Yona's like, you got to go talk to him. Because if you don't talk to him and get him to do what actually needs to be done, then he's not going to be as cool as I need him to be. And there was a mini boss that Crystal mentioned. The muck-like. The sludge-like. Sludge-like. Sludge-muck. And this is the tutorial for Sidon's power. The clunkiest power in the whole game. Oh, no. Yeah. Though you don't- You have to A on Sidon to get your water shield, and then you have to swing your weapon to fire the water. Yes. But it is also the most mad-busted power. Because of how strong Zora weapons are? Yes. And the ability to take any one hit without damage? Can you explain the Zora weapon thing? Okay, dear listeners. The way that it works is that Zora weapons, be those regular Zora spears, or as you obtain later, the light-scale trident, double in power when Link is wet. This works if he's standing in water, it works if he splashes himself with a water item, and Sidon's power will put it on Link for about 30 or 40 seconds, I think. And while you are wet, those weapons double in strength, but so does anything attached to them. So if you take Mipha's spear, which has a 22 attack power, 
and then you stick a 50 power attachment on the end of it, and then you get wet, you're swinging around something that has like 144 power, which is absurd. That's too strong. It is actually a little bit too strong. I wish that you could just press a button and Sidon would run over and give you a high five and give the water bubble. That'd be way better. It would be better than the system that they currently have working, yes. I guess if they worked like the the champions in... You don't say. Yes. <laughs> but so you, you fight the like-like and you, you actually don't need to use Sidon's power here. You can just throw water at it or... And this is important. You can create a fire hydrant Roomba. And the fire hydrant Roomba is extremely good at defeating bosses in Zora's domain. It's definitely very useful because it's kind of annoying to track the sludge monsters. It is. When I got to the water temple boss, I put down two of them. But we'll talk about it when we get there. So you kill the sludge-like, which is thought to maybe be the same one that Dorfan had previously run off. And once you do that... Sidon's like, this is just proof that I need to stay here. And Yona's like, okay, we're going to have a little conversation. You come over here with me for a second. He's like, okay, what is this about? And Link follows them. And Crystal, do you remember from making a champion when it was mentioned that Mifa used to be a much more headstrong character or at least had a stronger personality? Tell me more about that. Well, um, it used to be that Mifa's personality wasn't like the really shy, barely audible shrine maiden that she is now. She used to be much more straightforward, but, and I think this is in creating a champion. The problem with her is that the staff started liking her so much that they were rooting for her to get with Link too hard. So they dialed back her personality a little bit. They dialed what? up the shy. Uh, you've never heard of this? Because the staff was rooting for her too hard? I think they they liked her and the ship too hard. Yeah, they liked her and the ship too hard. Now, I might have that wrong, but that is my recollection of it. And it's the chief reason, like, she was thought to be uh, too much of a default love interest based on her personality at the time. So they made her much more demure and less forthcoming with her feelings. That with the childhood friend thing. Yes. Very strong combo. So the version of Mieflink that we got is running around with the 400-pound turtle shell on its back. Okay. Which is a Dragon Ball reference, Monica. I didn't get it. But I think... It's Master Roshi. Yeah, it's a little Master Roshi. Oh. But, um, yeah, that's how Master Roshi trained Krillin and Goku. Is he made them wear turtle shells? Oh, it's the weighted armor. Yeah, it's yeah. like the, it's the first version of the weighted clothing thing. They had to deliver milk to the whole country. Yeah, basically. And then after they were done delivering the milk, they had to do it while wearing these big ass turtle shells, which made it much harder. At first, they could barely walk. Anyway, your point being, I think that Yona it incorporates some elements of Mifa's original personality. Because when Sidon pushes back and says that his duty requires him to stay here and be less of a cool guy, she gets pissed at him. Like Very she, firmly, but gently. She j firmly, but gently yells at him and tells him to go out and do some fighting because that's the man that she fell in love with, not whoever this is that she's talking to right now. She points out that he's yielding to the fear of losing someone he loves again. Anyway, that's why we stand Yona. Because she's Mifa to you? No, because she's cool. Ah. Uh. Because she, she whips Sidon into shape? <laughs> a little bit. 
God damn it. She's like she's like a nagging wife but in a good way. Sometimes you need somebody to tell you the way that it really is, Crystal, and it's not nagging. I would like to posit that Sidon likes Link is tied into the psychology of this moment. He's afraid of losing people like Mifa died. Link is unbeatable. Yes. He can fully trust in Link to go out and do something daring and come back. Yes. I think that it's more about him not wanting to lose Yona, though, because he's yes. leaving. No, no, it's about Yona. He's leaving Zora's domain unprotected. And she's like, I can take care of myself. Go do the cool hero thing with your boyfriend. It will be fine. Monica doesn't agree that they may have used some small part of Mifa's personality for Yona. I don't know if I see it, but I will acknowledge you feeling it. Thanks. <laughs> Good, good to, good to be fucking validated by you saying that I feel something, motherfucker. Anyway, Crystal, what do we do next? It's time to make the big vortex. That's true. Okay, now we can make the big vortex. Uh huh. Once Sidon whips the entire lake into a whirlpool, we can drop down into what is, in many ways, one of my favorite areas in the whole game. The what is it? The underwater cistern. The ancient Zora waterworks. The ancient Zora waterworks. So they do have a sewer system. They haven't been using it. I I think it's like a water... I guess a water processing plant is a filtration place. It seems to definitely predate the domain, because the domain's only about 10,000 years old. Oh, God. And this place would have been a million, billion, jillion years old. What was that oh, God about? I forgot about the date of the Zora's domain. Yeah, you did forget, didn't you? Uh, There's the Zonai egg lamps in here. So I guess the Zonai built this, partially at least. It was at least made in partnership with the Zonai. And yet, what's in the waterworks is also a friendship item of the ancient Zora and ancient Hylians. Yes. Ancient Greaves. Yes. Another pair of ancient Greaves. Yes. Um, the, the reservoir is where Varuta was, right? Yes. So it was standing on top of this. No. No, this isn't the reservoir. This is a different area, I think. Is it? It is on the East Reservoir Lake. That's where Varuta was, isn't it? That is where Varuta was. Yeah, okay, okay. You're right, you're right. Varuta was above this. What were you trying to say about that? I I don't know. It just... Seems, you don't know. It, it was seemed pertinent to bring up. It was standing on top of an ancient waterworks. We just got 30 seconds of dead silence <laughs> with Crystal waiting pains while we sat over here Googling the fucking Z- ancient Zora waterworks. I and you ain't got nothing to- it up. What's that? I was also looking yeah. it up. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of important. Like, if, how did- If we get audio drift because of that silence, I'm going to be so pissed. How- does this this structure support the weight of an entire divine beast on it? Was Varuta actually pulling water from the waterworks? Hey, you know what's a lot more massive than Varuta? Water? The water that's in the reservoir. <laughs> but it was water plus Varuta. That's true. I mean, the reservoir was built to hold a certain amount of weight, and Varuta had yet to exceed that, but it was going to exceed it soon. Yes. Which means that the waterworks are stronger than the reservoir. That's good engineering. Is it? What happens down in the reservoir or the waterworks, Crystal? You activate a little Zonai Ouroboros gate to make a big waterfall from one of the highest of the Sky Islands. So that Link can climb up the waterfall with his Zora armor. 
You do need to canonically have the Zora armor to do all the main quests. You do. And it is the only outfit that Link goes off to have repaired on his own. It's very important. I think that ascending to the water temple, just like, not, not the whole trek. The whole trek is cool because it's a low gravity area. But that first bit where you climb the waterfall and Link shoots up at like the speed of sound. That's the coolest shit to me. I really like how they updated the Zora armor so you can actually move while you're on the waterfall. Yeah, you can go left and right. I thought that would be important in like an action sequence at some point. Like it would be incorporated into the boss fight. But they never did that. Did you like the trek up to the waterworks or whatever the water temple is called, Crystal? This is my favorite area in the game. Ooh. I love low gravity areas. The bubbles remind me of Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> I love going up the waterfall really fast. It's perfect. It is. That is a perfect bit. I'm just surprised it was your favorite area in the game. It really is a pathway that seems like it was at one point in usage, maybe? Yeah, I'd say that. At, at the very least, the Sage of Water did ascend by it at some point. But how did you feel about the Water Temple itself, Crystal? The Water Temple itself was a little disappointing. Do tell. Compared to the approach. It was just very tightly clumped together and very easy. You could see the whole thing at once and like pretty quickly figure out how to solve everything. Whereas I felt like the other dungeons, you had to do a little more exploration. It's a little bit too open air for how flat it is. Yes. I could see that. Yeah, it was all on one plane or two planes. Yeah, it wasn't the the trick to it wasn't figuring out how to get around the temple. It was just getting to the puzzles and then figuring the puzzles out. And the puzzles weren't over much. Now, when you get up to the water temple, you quickly find the source of the sludge and you try to burn it out by pouring some water on it, but it doesn't work. And Sidon's like, we're going to need more water. Where is this water coming from? It, you just said earlier they make the water. I, uh, yes, but this is a lot of water. This seems like the, the this is the wellspring. The great wellspring of Hyrule. Yeah, that's where Hyrule's water comes from. Where is this water coming from? It's water. Yeah, where is it? Because it's always flowing out, but it never stops. Uh-huh. What about it? What's filling those What's giant producing the water? Well... Kyogre? There's a <laughs> there's a there's a hole in the sea. A what? A hole in the sea. The sea in the sky? No, the sea and uh, the the ocean that funnels all the way back up to the sky. I don't see why not. The funnels has a bunch of individual portals to all these individual pillars. Yeah. Why aren't the ocean levels falling? Because this has been going on for a million years. Well, because they uh, the under ground sea is tapped into by Zora magic, which is used to transport the water from the underground sea up to the water temple, where it flows down and fills up the sea at the same rate that it's draining. Oh, wait, you know what? What if this is what's producing the cloud barrier? Okay, Ooh. no, hold on, yeah. Because the water isn't actually flowing all the way down, it just kind of dissipates into the air. I mean, that's true. And all that water vapor is condensing into the thick, impenetrable cloud barrier. Cool. But over a million billion years, what happens to the rest of the clouds? Because that's a lot of time for a lot of clouds. Uh, every 10 years, they unload onto Zora's domain. Oh. <laughs> every 10 years, there is a big storm or something. But then why doesn't the... Actually, yeah, that does line up. Okay, but where does the water go once it flows out to sea? 
Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> it just goes through the regular water cycle. Yeah, but if it's where does okay, we're back to the original question. Where does the water come from? The sea. How does it get from the sea to the sky? Portals. Okay. <laughs> As long as we're on the I, same page with regards to portals. I love how this is like, it gets into all this science and technology and, you know, sublimation and evaporation. And so then it's back to portals. Or maybe it's not pulling from the sea. It's pulling from all the water vapor above the cloud barrier. So it's just recycling the clouds? Yes, it's recycling the clouds. I see. But it's also the great wellspring of Hyrule. Yeah, because it rains from the clouds sometimes. So, Crystal, you would say that this is a giant Zonai weather control system. Yes, exactly. Similar to- This is how they control the weather. Very similar to how the Stormwind Arc works. Yeah. I buy it. To control uh, the weather on the land that they occupied. Yes. It just happened to have the uh, terrible consequence of causing cataclysmic floods every 10 years. It's pretty bad. It is indeed pretty bad. But they don't really care about the people that live on the land. Is that how we're choosing to characterize? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, Zelda can't mess up the timeline too much. That if she fixes the 10-year the, the, the flood problem, then maybe Link will never be born. And then there's a Ganon problem again. Yeah. Because Ganon exists outside of the context of this time loop. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I accept this. And we, we do think of the Zonai as fundamentally exploiting the people of the surface. Mm-hmm. But the Zonai as a people, not Ra-Ru as an individual. They were mining uh, magic stones. What do you think, Crystal? Are they exploiting the people of the surface? Yes, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, obviously. Okay. I just want to make sure that we've all got our take on it out where the listeners can hear it. They're colonialists. That's true. So... All the muck, you're kind of led to believe that since this um, sludge source is so powerful that it's fouling up the ancient Zora waterworks and the water temple, that it's going to be this huge, horrifying creature. It's not. In fact, it's a little guy. Just a little guy. So little that it doesn't even give you anything useful when you kill it. Yes. If you kill it again. Yes. For our listeners, if you go into the depths, you can find places to refight all of the major bosses, and each of them drops a unique, really cool body part that you can use to put on your weapons to make them really strong. Except for this guy, the Mukturok, who just drops some Octorok eyeballs and tentacles. Crystal, what did you think about Mukturok? Annoying boss. <laughs> Hard to hit. Real dick there, huh? And you try to chase it and you just end up walking in sludge because it makes sludge when it walks. That's why you need the fire hydrant room. Hey, is the Muckrock like, obviously it shares the same concept, but do you think it was inspired by Splatoon? Definitely. Okay. Because it does spread its ink on the ground behind it and it spreads it around and it uses it to move in and out of and it slows you down when you step on it. And that's just very Splatoon. That's exactly how it works in Splatoon. That is exactly how it works in it. Yeah, I did see it as a bit of an homage, okay. only it's a hideous, hideous gremlin of it. So now we know that if Link was in Splatoon, he would deploy the water fire hydrants. It's pretty powerful. It is, actually. The Inklings and the Octolings just, like, dissolve when exposed to water. Oh. Oh, no. It's fine. They get splatted, but they come back. 
their ink bodies can because their bodies are just constructions made of ink. So what's their true bodies? It's those little glowy guys that fly out whenever they get splatted. Oh, the little babies. Yeah. Oh. Then they jump back into an ink pot, gather ink onto themselves, and jump out in their projected forms. So they shape their bodies. Yes. And that's why you can change the design or your everything. I guess so. It still reflects them. They, um, But yes, they can change themselves on the fly. Splatoon lore is fascinating. Oh, yeah. Have you dove into that, Crystal? Only a little bit. I don't know the deep cuts. Crystal's more of an arms lore kind of person. The mysterious and unknowable power <laughs> of arms. <laughs> that thwarts every person who tries to study it. Sometimes arms is hair. Sometimes arms is hair. That's the best one. Sometimes a tree has arms. Sometimes a goo boy has arms. Just a big thing of amniotic fluid. You look like you want to say <laughs> I something. I really like the dystopian or uh, utopian future where all of humanity and mammals have died. And the cetacean, the, the cephalopods? The cephalopods. Uh, now rule. Yeah, they do. And it's fashionable and party time. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, you kill the Mukturok, which isn't a hard boss once you figure out how to get around it. Though I would argue that the Mukturok is one of those cases where Cryonis would actually be really great because it gives you something to jump off of so you could slow-mo shoot it with water arrows. This video I'm looking at, Link has equipped an Octorok uh, tentacle to a spear. So it's a long, extra long whip. And that seems like a very good idea. I agree. But I never used Octorok tentacles because it's so hard to acquire. And you would never use Lysalfo's tails for the same reason. Yes, yes. And because you want to upgrade every single armor set, and tails are pretty rare drops. The elemental ones. Yeah. BS. So you kill it, and like all the water comes down, and killing the Mukturok doesn't just stop production of the sludge, it obliterates all the sludge in the world simultaneously. So the sludge that was wounding Dorfan is gone, the sludge that was in the domain is gone, the sludge that had affected all the sick people is gone. Everything good now. Then you go back to Zor's domain and you're like, hey, Sidon, what's up? And he's like, listen, I got to go get coronated. And you're like, what? And you go with him and Yona and they're declared as king and queen. It's a happily ever after. It do, they do have a little bit of happily ever after. And you do the handshake with Sidon and he's like, here, let me let my stand walk around with you. That, that sure gives Link a ring, too. Yes, it gives him, it does give him a ring specifically. And uh, when Sidon shakes Link's hand, he takes... Link's hand in both of his. And Neil's. Yes. It's well, a proposal. He, a friend proposal. Oh, God, it is a proposal, isn't it? He kneels, takes both of Link's hands, and gives him a ring. Huh. Well, there you go. That's subtext. Crystal, what did you think of the Zora's uh, sequence compared to the other uh, groups? Hmm. It didn't stand out to me particularly. The Zora's domain always feels like it should have more stuff in it than it does. Because it's so big, and it's so ornate. There's not really much more to it than there is in, like, Rito Village. All the bluestone areas, really, there's not much on there. Yeah. I think that's key, the key thing. I guess they didn't want to do a thing where... And I think we can agree that in Breath of the Wild, Sora's Domain was definitely given the most um, gravitas and pathos of all the main areas. Yes. Yeah. And maybe they didn't want to do that again, so they tried to make it more even compared to the others. I think that this game is more balanced, 
with a big focus on trying to build up everything around Rito Village, but then they couldn't do much because they don't have any really strong Rito people to the degree of the Zora. Well, that's why they introduced everyone's favorite son, Tulin. But anyway, so are we ready to call Zora's Domain just about finished? Yeah. Any fun quests there that the two of you remember? Um, finding the helmet. Also, f- finding May again. <laughs> do you, Crystal, do you remember in Breath of the Wild when somebody, Zora, some Zora, she got washed away and her husband was like, please help me, my wife got washed down the river. And then you find her <laughs> later and she's like, la 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 la. Yeah. And she goes back and he's like, honey, never do that again. She's like, don't worry, I'll never do that again. She does it again. She does it again. Only this time she hops, skips, and jumps all the way up to the fucking water temple. It's pretty far. There's some hardy salmon up there, though. That is, you know, really important. Salmon's delicious. Yes. (laughs) And it's like there's some character development there because May doesn't understand that her husband can feel negative emotions. Yes, until he yells at her. Yes. And then she's like, wow, I guess you do feel negative emotions. And she's like, well, I suppose I won't. And he's like, you definitely won't. Because I'm never leaving your side or allowing you to leave mine. And she's like, well, that's terrifying. But also, I guess it's fine. My favorite quest was the shopkeeper in Zora's Domain is addicted to bright-eyed crabs. Oh, right. Crystal, did you meet that guy? Mm-hmm. He just says crab things constantly. Me too. I, I relate to this guy. <laughs> crabs are delicious. They are delicious. Only he he just like like... Eats them whole, shell and all, and the, the cutting, he described it cutting into his mouth. He swallows them whole, he says. Yeah. Not a great way to deal with a crab, but he keeps doing it. Uh, Zoro's Domain, they also keep the, the weird relationship between Hylian Guy and looks like a child Zora girl. Well, they sure do. I think they try to make it less overtly romantic-coded. I think. Do they? I don't know. I didn't pay much attention to that shit. I wasn't over there. That w- that side quest wasn't for me. Crystal, did you do it? I did not do this one. They go on an adventure. Sasson is a lot, no, more cowardly than, I can't remember her name. Guy is a lot more cowardly than Zora Girl. We stare at it and go, why are you still here? <laughs> it's just really weird. It's a really weird thing and it's weird of them to have kept it. Are we done with Zora's domain now? I think that's everything. Okay, so treating everything that happens in this game chronologically, and you two did definitely want to go through all the main temples first, right? Uh Uh-huh. So what do we want to do in terms of doing side content? Like, how how do we want to do Lurlin Village? How do we want to do Hateno and um, various other settlements throughout Hyrule? When did you do them? I did them as we were going along, like, constantly throughout the course of the game before doing, like, three quarters of the dungeons. How about you, Crystal? Uh, I didn't do Lorellin Village. <gasps> I didn't finish Hateno. That's when I dropped the game, is as I was doing Hateno post-game. Wow. I What about Terrytown? I did Terrytown. Okay. I think that I did them very early on because I was doing my usual don't do the main story thing. Yes, and then you pushed me to do them very early on, sorry. too. Not sorry. No, you're not sorry. If you, were, if you were sorry, we wouldn't keep coming back to this. I think we can talk about them post-temples. post, post temples. This is the, the crystal order of doing things. 
But instead, since we're presenting it chronologically, the end of the game has to be the last thing we do. But we can still do all the side questing after the main quests. I I, I think the the point before we go do the end quest is a way to... We can round around Hyrule. And that includes Kakariko. And getting the Master Sword. Yes. And going into the depths. There's a lot. It's a big game. It's a very big game. It's a big video game, but... I think it would be good for us to be prepped for next time in figuring out like an action plan that will cover a lot of space without getting so in the weeds that we end up spending three episodes on. It won't be. Cameron stares meaningfully at Monica. Do you want to do Hateno or Lurellen or Terry? I think that the best order to me is Hateno, uh, Terrytown, Lurellen. What about Kakariko? Yeah, we got to do Kakariko too. We'll do Ka- Kakariko is part of the Spirit Temple. Kakariko is part of the Spirit Temple. Should we do the Spirit Temple after the side quests? How do you feel? I I feel like all I can do is ask the question. I'm okay either way. Great. So all three of us are in a how do you feel kind of state on it. Yeah, because um, you're not immediately directed to the Spirit Temple. You kind of have to search for it. So I guess it makes sense to do let's search through Hateno and search through Terry and then go to Kakariko Spirit Temple. The next time that you're actually directed toward doing anything with regards to the Spirit Temple is if you go and do Hyrule Castle after getting all four sages. Yes. Oh, that's right. There's also Hyrule Castle. And after you do Hyrule Castle, you can be directed to the Lost Woods and to um, Faron. So I think... Maybe we can talk about the villages and then talk Hyrule Castle. Sure. How are we directed to Faron? Um, well, we didn't actually see that because a certain someone got us to do I'm the sorry. Spirit Temple ahead of time. But I believe that you will be directed there um, by Torio after oh, yes. Pura tells yes. you to go to Kakariko Village. So actually, yeah, Pura tells you to go look around. And Kakariko. And like, then you talk to them, and then you get the trail of breadcrumbs that will lead you to Pharaoh. Okay, I know it's not a very long recording, and this is completely my fault, but I didn't prep the emails ahead of time. That's fine, we can just read them raw. Okay. Let's read them. Is it okay to transition into emails? Yeah, where can people send us emails? You can send emails to bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Once more, that is bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. I will go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Crystal. Uh, I'm just looking at the earliest one. Like from Jason? Yes, I believe from Jason. What should our reading order be, Crystal? I'll read the first one. I previously sent an email to you in which I declared the underworld is the Golden Lands. There will be a third Breath of the Wild game because they'll want to use the map again, and it'll be a sequel that ends the trilogy. It'll be more closely focused on the underworld and focused on the Triforce, Physically hidden throughout Hyrule, the ancient Zonai took possession of the Triforce and was the source of their godlike power, and they abused it. They also used masks in their ceremonies, so they both are the Twilight and the creators of Majora's Mask. Their leaders ate their stones to become Dinral, Nidra, and Farosh to escape banishment. Well, for Breath of the Wild 3, the ancient evil Zonai are going to come back and try to reclaim the Triforce. 
and their hidden fortress will be a flying fortress for you to conquer. This game will be a true hunt for the Triforce, like games of old, which is available now because Ganondorf is dead, and he was so powerful with the seed because it was magnifying his trifle. And maybe the game will end with a request by the old gods to flood Hyrule, while Link and Zelda and the survivors travel to a new land, putting an end to this map. Anyway, great job and all the best. Jason. Thanks, Jason. Um, do y'all remember that period before the big reveal of the Zonai and Tears of the Kingdom where everything like the Stone Tower was being attributed to the ancient Sheikah? Yes. Are we entering that new era for Zelda fandom? Absolutely. I feel like a lot was being attributed to the Zonai already since Breath of the Wild had the ancient Zonai ruins. I mean, we were attributing yeah. more to the Zonai than most people, but we didn't do like other fans did with the ancient Sheikah. Right. Probably the most confident prediction I could make about Breath of the Wild 3 is that the Zonai will not be referenced. <laughs> a deuce hell. Because they didn't even talk, they barely talk about the Divine Beasts and the Calamity Ganon in this game. So why would they talk about the Zonai and Ganondorf in the next game? Is there going to be a Breath of the Wild 3? No. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, obviously, Crystal and I are on opposite ends of this. We have a bet going at the moment. There's not going to be DLC, apparently, for well, Tears of the Kingdom. Crystal, you hold that in suspicion too, right? Yeah, it could still happen. Do you take the their word as being, in this moment, we don't have anything in development and we're not really intending to, or we haven't settled on it yet. Go away. I think they haven't settled. I mean, if they were making DLC for Tears of the Kingdom, I would assume that they had that shit planned sometime during the year of polish. Mm -hmm. And if they haven't figured it out by now, it's because they're not going to. So either they're lying and they are making it, or they're telling the truth and they're not making it. I see a couple of issues with uh, Jason's predictions. Please go ahead. Uh, Gandorf doesn't have the Triforce. What? Gandorf doesn't have the Triforce? In this one. In the Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. But he always has the Triforce of Power. No. Oh. Zelda has the whole Triforce. We do know where the Triforce is. Crystal, do you know where the Triforce is? Does Zelda still have the Triforce? That's a good question, actually. It is a good question. Do you think that Ganondorf Tears of the Kingdom has the Triforce? No, no. I don't think so. I think the Triforce is in one piece. It didn't fly off like birds? I mean, the birds flew off together if that happened. Uh, and the other thing is... The Zonai faces have a, a snout or or a, a, what do you call it? Dog part? They have a muzzle. They have a muzzle. And, a snout is a good word for it. And you cannot wear Majora's Mask. True. How do you feel about this theory running, Crystal? I do like the idea that the dragons in the sky are so. How about them being evil Zonai? That'd be cool. You have to actually fight Dinral, Farosh, and Nadra. I think it makes sense for Breath of the Wild 3 to involve the Triforce in some explicit capacity. But I don't think it will involve the Zonai basically at all. You think that the Zonai are one and done? Zonai are one and done. Just like the Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> just like uh, everyone else. Just like everyone else. <laughs> I, I, It's so precious. It's beautiful. The perennial, like, we'll definitely see the Twilight again. Or we'll definitely see Termina. It's like... No, you fucking will. <laughs> will not. We're definitely going to learn more about the ancient Sheikah the and what rules. they were like. No, no, you ain't. 
probably the best place to look for ideas for the next Zelda game is like take note in interviews of like what are the discarded ideas for Pikmin 4 or like Splatoon 3 the ideas that they threw away from other games that they might reuse for Zelda yeah that makes sense yeah or what are the concept art that they didn't get to execute here because it's already designed they they might just recycle it oh like if they put out a making a sage book yes yeah that would be good Crystal, who should read the next email? Cameron. Okay, here I go. This one comes from Zoo. Hey, Crystal, Cameron, and Monica. After finally beating Tears of the Kingdom, I have been reflecting on where I think the game fits into both the Historia timeline as well as the Accursed timeline. Frankly, the Historia timeline seems messed up. Your timeline, on the other hand, seems to fit quite nicely, in my opinion, though it may require a little adjustment. Its placement within the Accursed Timeline could be in the Accursed branch of the Timeline. I believe that's what you call the one parallel to Ocarina of Time, though I'm at work and can't verify. While we have the Ganondorf introduced in Four Sword Adventures as the origin in the Accursed Timeline, that telling could be from the perspective of a faulty narrator, and Tears of the Kingdom's backstory could be viewed as the true origin of Ganondorf in this Timeline. Additionally, we could argue that all the instances of Ganon seen throughout this branch could be different iterations of what we see in Breath of the Wild as the Calamity Ganon, merely a manifestation of the imprisoned Ganondorf. Also, I don't believe we have an account for the origin of the Kingdom of Hyrule in the Accursed Branch. I believe this can even fit in with your version of the idea that Breath of the Wild is a merger of the timelines, and the Depths inverted version of Hyrule is the negative space where some of the remnants of the other timelines manifest, aside from the Drab Lands if I recall that correctly, just to excuse all the other pieces of armor found down there. I have a lot more I need to process about the game, as I have only beaten it less than a week ago, and now I am only about 30 to 40 minutes into your part one for Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, and for Crystal, perhaps the Depths and Termina occupy the same space, but whatever was the catalyst to create Termina down there never occurred in the Accursed Timeline. This can be further supported by looking at Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom's Lost Woods not containing any teleportation to other areas of Hyrule, as seen in Ocarina of Time with the teleportation to Death Mountain and Zora's Domain, as well as the hole that leads to Termina. Lastly, I am curious about your opinion of an interesting theory I heard somewhere, maybe TikTok, that said the Zonai and the Picori are the same race adapted over time. The theory stemmed from the idea that the Zonai are powerful magic wielders and also have a third eye, and that when we see Pycon Picori utilize great magic, they develop a third eye, specifically Vati. I heard this theory a month or so ago, so I'm a little fuzzy on it, but that's the gist of it. Sincerely, Zoo. Hold on. Thank you, Zoo. Thank you, Zoo. Hold on. We're getting the resurrection of Vati, but maybe Vati was his own eye? We gotta start reacting to the Zelda TikToks. We we gotta... We gotta, <laughs> we gotta start producing <laughs> Zelda TikToks. Yeah, we gotta start making Zelda TikToks. That would require downloading TikTok. It would, yes. That's where the young people are. How yes. are we supposed to reach anybody if we that's don't get true. on TikTok? What is a podcast anyway? Yeah. How do you feel about Vati the Zonai, Crystal? So, I understand why people would would try to link the Zonai and the Picori because they both came from the sky and they're both like godlike beings with advanced technology who live in another realm. Right. But that's also like 10 other guys in the Zelda series. <laughs> that's very true. So, I'm not sure what specifically links the Picori with the Zonai. Well, they have little tails. They do have little, yeah, that's true. And they have little snouts, mm-hmm. and they're little gods. They're, they have very short legs. They are small. Yeah. They kind of have, by means of their nose, kind of like a snout. Yeah. It's a little bit like. They're kind of mouse-like. Y- yes. Uh, so if I'm understanding this correctly, 
this is when we're talking about where Tears of the Kingdom falls in the timeline. It's talking about the backstory of Tears of the Kingdom. Yes. With the positing that uh, Tears of the Kingdom, Demon King Ganondorf could have existed midway through the timeline of the Cursed Branch. Yes. Basically, instead of the theory that Tears of the Kingdom retcons Ocarina of Time out of existence, this proposes that Tears of the Kingdom retcons four swords adventures out of existence crystal do you know what that why is tears of the kingdom more important than four swords adventures (laughs) oh that's called recency bias budget bias promotion (laughs) bias has a plot worked on quality over a week bias (laughs) has a plot bias quality bias yeah Multiplayer, single-player bias. Multiplayer, single-player bias, for sure. Yeah. Oh, we're comparing it to Four Sword Adventures? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that there was a certain period in this podcast where I was ready to argue that the multiplayer games didn't need to be considered. I I will always push back against that. And then Fork Theory happened. <laughs> Four Swords Adventures can be played by a single-player, and that's how I play. That's fucked up. It was fine. Well... Four Swords Adventures is maybe the game that fits the vibe of this podcast the most (laughs) because it's the game that has a bunch of leftovers from when it had a more robust story. Yes. So we're like archaeologists trying to pick up all the little all the little broken pieces of the table that Miyamoto flipped. (laughs) Yes, that is exactly what happens when we look at this game. But I mean, like the crux of this, I think, is is Demon King ganondorf a product of demise or is demise a product of demon king ganondorf i don't know if that's the crux of it i well i think it's one of the things to consider when you're placing backstory of tears of the kingdom on the timeline after skyward sword we really do have to do an episode on the nature of evil and where evil comes from it's 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 it's, god we're never going to run out of shit to talk about in this silly series uh-huh. For silly people. It's great. I'm kind of into this uh, Depths and Termina idea. Okay, go on. Because on the Accursed timeline, uh, uh, the Hero of Time never had to enter this weird psychic realm that reflects all of his insecurities. Is that how we're... So instead, there's just like an empty space that never got filled. Is that how we're choosing to interpret Majora's Mask? It's a little bit what Majora's Mask is. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit what Majora's Mask is, but is that meaningfully different from Majora's Mask being a dream of the Skull Kid? Yes. I don't think it is. Uh, One is just having it be created by Link, the other is having it be created by Skull Kid. No, 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 I'm not saying it's created by Link. I don't know who created it, but it is a reflection of Link's experiences. Sort of like Kohlnit was a fusion of the Windfish and Link. Yeah. All right. That's all I've... <laughs> I'm saying that after Link leaves, it's still around. But it doesn't exist if he doesn't go there. In the same... W- no, no, no. It's like, in the same way that all of these little shrines are designed for Link, but they exist independently and have for thousands of years, so too was Termina. Do you think it's possible that in the Accursed Timeline, Skull Kid never found Termina either? Yeah. Probably. In the Accursed Timeline, there's no Ocarina of Time. Yeah. So that Skull Kid may have never existed in the first place. Hey, are Skull Kid non-Korok children who get lost in the woods? That's a great question. I think that might be what they are. 
literally lost children from the war. Well, Skull Kid persists through Twilight Princess. Yes. And seems very much of the forest. I'm suggesting he's a ghost. A ghost of a child who got lost in the woods. Maybe it is another boy without a fairy. Yeah, basically. No, I'm saying a Kokiri. Oh, Kokiri don't not have fairies. If they do, they become Skull Kids. No. Oh, you know what? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. What do you think, Crystal? I think fairies are part of the souls of a Kokiri. It's kind of like a like a daemon from his dark materials. Or perhaps it's like Hylians with their um, loft wings. Yeah, like Hylians with their loft Is wings. Is it Persona? It's like Persona or Eidolon. It's like Eidolon Playtest, the award-winning Eidolon Playtest. The award-winning and award-deserving podcast, Eidolon Playtest. You want an award? That's right. We won an award for our best concept at the... What's the name of the show? The Potties. <laughs> should get this right. It was an audio drama show. Webfest? Minnesota Webfest? Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm not doing the congratulations thing twice, but yes, congratulations. I'll have a little bit of the music under this part, but yeah. Anyway, that, those are some interesting musings, and it does remind me that we are going to have to revisit the Accursed Timeline because all other things to the contrary notwithstanding, Tears of the Kingdom has fucked it up more than not at all. So we are having an episode with Luke sometime after we finish the Tears of the Kingdom episodes. But after Luke's episode, we're going to need to do an evil episode and a timeline episode again. My turn. Okay. I, I, I No, I pulled it up. Is Sonya an Impa? Oh, yeah. If Sonya is Sheikah, as she has similar features to Impa in Skyward Sword, is it possible she is not meant to be a Zelda stand-in, but an Impa, making herself the face of the kingdom during a time of danger while the true Queen Zelda disguises herself as a Chamberlain, Padme-style, to take care of her baby? This is by Sean. Well, thank you, Sean. Crystal, what do you make of this idea? It's an interesting idea. Then what's her relationship with Raru? Business partner. Does that mean that the actual Zelda, who we never see, is the, is that where the baby is? But Sonya senses a blood connection between herself and Zelda. That could be a lie. Hold on. Once we introduce the possibility of Sonya as an unreliable narrator, my ability to, like, ground anything about this in reality evaporates. Like... I, I don't know if I can do Tears of the Kingdom as a narrative without treating somebody like Sonya as a truth teller. I, I'm i just trying to picture this. So, so there, there's, through this, Sean is saying there might be a Queen Zelda who is pregnant, recognizes the queen, even though nobody recognizes her. So is that, is she named Sonya? Is Raru not the king? Is Raru married to a Zelda that's just not there, but nobody knows? But that's weird. No. What's your read on this, Crystal? Well, I think what this email is suggesting is that there is a queen who looks a lot like Sonya, but the Sonya that we see is a stand-in. Like one Queen Amidala. Yes. Okay. The Phantom Menace is a boomer movie. (laughs) The Phantom Menace is a millennial movie. It is a boomer movie. It is over 20 years old. It's for boomers. That's how old millennials are. Yes, I know, but millennials are boomers. They're old. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> we welcome Crystal into yes. the group. 
Well, Crystal's really at heart more of a geriatric zoomer. Yes, I am a geriatric. <laughs> but Phantom Menace, how old were you when Phantom Menace came out? Crystal? Yes, Crystal. I was six years oh, old. Oh, gosh. Was that? Actually, I was five oh, years gosh. old. Oh, gosh. Was that your first Star Wars? Yes, it was. Hell yeah. Did you enjoy it? Not at the time, but I do as an adult. <laughs> Interesting. I would have thought kids would be all about that. How old were you? Me? Yes. I was um, 11 most of that year. Okay. So I was 13. Yes, for most okay. of that year. Yes. It was not a great movie. Uh, my parents bought the 2 a.m. showing accidentally. What the hell? <laughs> Y'all was in there until 4 a.m. watching The Phantom Menace <laughs> in 1999? Yes. My dad did not understand why they would sell tickets for 2 a.m. In fairness to your father, I don't understand why they would sell tickets at 2 a.m. Well, clearly people were buying it. That's true. Supply and demand. That's true. The free market dictates we must have 2 a.m. showings of The Phantom Menace. Well, yeah, it's it's the new Star Wars. It's the first new Star Wars in almost 20 years. That's what people used to and maybe still do after Big Blockbuster they used to go in, watch it, and then watch the next showing. So this must have been the after the midnight release showing. True. Do they still do that? I think so. Well, <laughs> actually, I don't know. Maybe. If we wanted to go watch a big blockbuster, I guess we could find out. But we're, we're not that kind anymore. We'll still go to, like, pick up some games at... Well, no, we don't even do midnight launches for games nowadays. Those are online. They are online now. Why bother? Also, we're old. <laughs> Yeah, midnight releases kind of went away once they started selling tickets for like 6 p.m. on a Thursday. That's true. That's like a reasonable time you could watch a movie after work and then still go to bed. Yes. Yeah, you could go to bed for real. So a lot more people would be willing to do it. That's the invisible hand of the market guiding us toward the optimal solution. I like the idea of Sonya as an impa. I don't necessarily think that it's true, but it creates a really interesting um, social dynamic with her. Crystal, could you read this next one? Why are there Rito in Tears of the Kingdom's past? I thought they evolved from Zora after the Great Flood in Wind Waker. If Tears of the Kingdom's past is meant to take place at the beginning of the timeline, wouldn't the Zora have not evolved yet? Does Tears of the Kingdom's past actually still take place after the rest of the series, perhaps shortly after whatever incident caused the timelines to merge. Keep up the great podcast. Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Thank, Thank you, you, Kevin. Crystal, what's your thought on this? So I think we have to treat the Wind Waker Rito and the Breath of the Wild Rito as basically being like River Zora and Seasora. I agree. They're just, they're, they're, they're cousins, but they're not that close. I think how we workshopped it before is that when Valu turned the Zora into Rito, it wasn't creating a new species. It was bringing back a group of people, a form that he was familiar with or that existed in the world. Yeah, that, that was in the Accursed Timeline. But yes, I, I agree. We definitely have to treat them as separate things. I do not think that the Wind Waker Rito exists anymore as of Breath of the Wild. They may have gone back to being Zora, for instance, once the evil in the sea was taken care of, I mean. Monica's not sure about this. Once the lands grew and freshwater areas uh, populated. I mean, Zora can swim in the ocean. There are no fish in the ocean. Right. When does the past 
of Tears of the Kingdom take place? I think that this that is the question. That is the that is the ultimate question because the suggestion that it could theoretically take place after the entire rest of the series, say Breath of the Wild, that's a cogent explanation. Yes. We do need to consider that possibility. How how does that feel to you, Crystal? The only thing that's holding me back from saying that is that I don't like the idea of Ganon reincarnating. Go on. It, it feels wrong to me. I, I didn't like it in Four Swords Adventures, and I don't like it now. Because he is simply deathless. Yeah. The chains of death cannot bind him for long. However, it's true that if I want to maintain that belief... I have to come up with some kind of explanation for why the past of Tears of the Kingdom seems to only relate to the modern day of Tears of the Kingdom and nothing seemed to happen in between. Or at least nothing happened to Ganondorf in the in-between. Well, nothing happened to the world. I think it's it's the same kingdom, the same people. Well, I mean, the calamity happened to the world. You didn't change it that much, though. I don't... hmm. There has been some. Not compared to, to like, Twilight, even Twilight Princess and Ocarina of Time. It, you're very right that the shift between those two states, it's like they went off and to different parts of the world. And the in, in our current vision of the Accursed Timeline, untold numbers of things happened where they run around all over the world. The shape of the kingdom changes rise and fall of empires, gods live and die and are born again, and then they come back to this one spot, and it's like this this collation of elements that comes back to look stunningly similar to how it did a million billion years ago. I think since our previous episode, I think this was when it happened, we have a quote from, is it Onoma or is it uh, Fujibayashi? about the timeline and the you do you however you'd like to do it. I think that was Fujibayashi. He was basically saying that there is no single timeline and that and that the Zelda series is crafted in such a way that fans should feel free to come up with their own explanation. Hey, uh, we make the game and then we write the story last. So <laughs> your your ideas are as good as ours. I respect Fujibayashi. I respect that method of storytelling in video games. Yes. Crystal, for me, it's not even the problem of Ganondorf reincarnating. It's, to me, the problem is where was the Master Sword and why didn't the heroes show up to fight Ganon? Yes, that's also a very big point. There ain't no Master Sword. Yeah, and there's no Link to go with it. And you... They haven't even heard of it. Yeah. You'd think there would be a Link. That would have been really cool, actually. If Zelda met, like, a different hero from the past. That would have been pretty cool. I guess the reason it didn't happen is this was before the spirit of the hero was formed. You know what's going to happen in, like, five or six more years? They're going to put out a sequel to the Hyrule Historia, where they give a new timeline, and it has changed so much that it's going to drive fans of the original Historia, like, they are going to lose their minds completely. But also, I'm going to read it, and I'm going to lose my mind completely because I don't like anything that they're doing. That happened already. What do you think? Yeah, that did happen already. What do I think what, Crystal? What do you What do you think if the third timeline they make would be? Oh, I don't know. The old Zelda website also had a timeline. That's true. It did. They've they've made many timelines. 
many, many, many timelines. So many of our listeners are too young to know this, but the idea of the official Zelda timeline has existed since at least 1998. On Zelda.com. Yes. Back in the old days, it was on Zelda.com. There is no more Zelda.com nowadays. They killed the internet. They did kill the internet. Is there no Zelda.com? Where does it go? It redirects to Nintendo.com slash something something. We used to have a World Wide Web. We used to have a bunch of websites. If you want to learn about, like, fucking uh, History of Hammers, you would type in www.historyofhammers.com or whatever. They were like tiny islands on an ocean that were disconnected and you could sail. And sometimes they would link together, but they were islands, not massive continents. They were labors of individuals or small groups. If you're if you're a young person and you don't remember the old web, I implore you to go to fantasyanime.com. And there used to be a million websites like this, but this is one of the last ones remaining. Another website that's like that, another web point, uh, 1.0 website that's still around from when I was a kid that I used to read a lot was Barry's Temple of Godzilla. Hell yeah. It still has frames. Another website you could go to, which is still very actively uh, useful and that I access on a regular basis, is Cerebi. Hell yeah. Yeah. Go to Cerebi. Joe Cerebi. Cerebi hasn't changed in 20 years, and I hope it never does. Never, ever. It never does. Joe Cerebi has had that shit on lock the entire time. And it is it is the best Pokemon website on the internet. Cerebi.net. I had to check if it was a .net or com. Yeah, Cerebi.net. And SerenusForest.net. Oh, yeah. It's the ultimate Fire Emblem website, and it's extremely web 1.0. I'm not going to say that the internet was better before Facebook like super conglomerated everything, but it was definitely better. You could I'll say the internet was better. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying I won't say it was better, but I'm saying it was better. You could have privacy, relative privacy. You could have a small community of people around let's say 50 to 200 people forming their own unique cliques and cultures. And cultures Tiny and memes cl- and jokes. It, it, it it's impossible to convey. Back in those days, the idea of telling other people on the internet your real name before you really got close to them was unthinkable. Yeah. The adults would tell you not to do that. They would tell you not to do that because you will get kidnapped and murdered. So you got to choose your own handle. You got to come up with your own name. It was a reflection of yourself. We really are boomers. <laughs> yes. I bet this is how people people <laughs> in what we consider to be the golden age were like, man, BBSs were so much better. I mean, UBB wasn't that different from BBS, goddammit. But the, but the point is, Facebook did ruin the internet. That's true. That's inarguable. And Google is doing their best to ruin the internet further, while they were also instrumental in ruining the internet. Their search engine doesn't even work it anymore. It doesn't fucking work anymore. And because of the way search engine optimization works... Their search engine not working means that other search engines are also having their results poisoned. And there's been a recent lawsuit alleging that Google just changes your search words. Yes, to front things that they think you'll want to buy more. So I I, I think that even though we are boomers, the corporatization of the internet is definitely a net evil. And Zelda timelines have been argued since before the corporatization of the internet. Oh, yeah. Fucking dot com boom. I remember when, before IGN existed, when it was N64.com. Now, 
Nineteen used to have blogs. Nineteen did used to have blogs. They used to have their. Uh, they had the, all their videos uploaded in two formats. It was uh, Real Player and QuickTime. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! And if you you get to pay for HD, that came later. I'm thinking about an era where the vast majority of trailers were in 320 by 240, and the really ritzy versions were 640 by 480. Shout out to History of Hyrule, run by Melora, which also is... Oh, shit. (laughs) 1.0. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And they're an archivist. That's where we get all the skins That's right, yes. History of Hyrule is one of the best projects for Zelda fandom, period. One of the greatest websites. It simply is. If you are a Zelda fan listening to this, look up History of Hyrule. You, you just have to. It's better than any book or compilation that Nintendo has ever put out on their own. <clears throat> so our next email comes from Luke, a uh, friend of the show, Luke. Listening to episode three of your Tears of the Kingdom coverage, I came up with some more questions to bother you with. Okay, so for this email, I'm just going to read one question at a time, and let's answer the questions as we go. One, why do the Flux and Soldier constructs revive with the Blood Moon? There's no dialogue or visual indicators to imply that they've been corrupted by Ganondorf the way the Guardians were corrupted by the Calamity, and the soldiers still attack Ganondorf's monsters on sight. Why does Ganondorf's power revive them? Well, you see, Luke, in actuality, the Blood Moon is just a um, manifestation of the real strength behind it, which is having to reset the system memory. I actually think this came up during one of the Do You Know Gaming things which is that they don't actually follow the schedule of the blood moons. Is that was that on do you did you know gaming? One of the recent ones, yes. Now was that Now I haven't verified that. Now that may also be that, that may be GameSpot's things you don't know about Tears of the Kingdom. Sorry. It could be either. Yes, it's the it's the that one. Oh, things you still don't know. Crystal, what's your take on this? It's a it's a good observation. Why does it revive yeah, them? Uh, Except that apparently it doesn't, because it goes on a different scale. If we assume that the premise is true, then the implications are vast. And it implies that there's like this vast category of creature, which is simply monster. And the constructs exist as monsters, regardless of how they're aligned or where they came from. Though maybe it also suggests that whatever it is that animates them is taken from the dark power that Ganondorf draws upon. Oh, actually, yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, they don't follow the Blood Moon schedule. Oh, okay. Question answered. But no. why did they come back? Because they gotta, like, hit monsters. Hit monsters. Number two. This is less of a lore or logistical question, more of an ideological one, I guess. In the Spirit Tracks episode, you're all very adamant that Spirit Tracks needs to be the very last thing that happens on its timeline. That its story makes the point when mortals are free from the influence and gods of demons alike, and Link and Zelda build a real happily ever after in the new slash old kingdom. Now, though, it sounds like you're coming down pretty firmly on the idea that the Switch games are set in the distant future of Spirit Tracks. Obviously, the timeline merger gives some wiggle room here, but relocating these games to Spirit Tracks' continent seems like it threatens the idea that Spirit Tracks marks the erasure of all demonic influence from its world. Is the logistical neatness of making Rauru's Hyrule the Old Kingdom really worth that cost? I don't think it actually threatens that idea because you don't hear a lot about gods and demons in these games. When they're around, they tend to be more minor entities. Monica's thinking very hard about this. 
I have to recite again, new Hyrule, old Hyrule, new kingdom, old kingdom. I have got to rewrite that part of the fucking timeline. I've got to set up a new thing so that Monica will have an easier time understanding it. Uh, if you flipped it, it would still be like, I'd be like, no, Hyrule No, I'll have a. to rewrite it, period. Oh. It's like Hyrule 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 4 and 1 take place on the same continent. Hmm. Would that be easier to understand? Maybe. Okay. Go ahead, Crystal. I can feel you about to say something. No, I said what I said that I don't I don't really think gods and demons are as present in Breath of the Wild as they are in other games. I guess my thing about it is that in Spirit Tracks, Spirit Tracks is an ending, period. What comes after that doesn't matter when it comes to interpreting the intent of that text. Spirit Tracks is an ending of the Ocarina of Time Wind Waker saga. That's done and it's over with, and it marks the moving on to a new era. You can argue that there's lore connections between Spirit Tracks and games that come after, but the ending that Spirit Tracks represents is a lot more than just a canonical ending to me. So it's like a past the fourth wall sort of ending. Yes, it is saying goodbye to that version of Hyrule and that version of the story. And that version of Link, really. Yes. It was saying goodbye to Toon Link. It's saying goodbye to that version of Hyrule, though there's a little tiny bit of it left over in Link Between Worlds. But generally speaking, I think the goodbye that Spirit Tracks represents its ending still exists. But Toon Link's in Triforce Heroes. Shh! <laughs> uh, the, the thing that I'm sort of mulling is I'm trying to remember... If this is something that we just changed our minds on upon the way. So when we talked about Breath of the Wild, we really talked about it being an amalgamation and a fusion of the timelines of the worlds and of potentially of a collapsing of the Hyrules together. Right. But now with Tears of the Kingdom, we are back to there being two distinct lands or areas or continents of Hyrule. Something like that, yeah. I don't think it's a wrong thing. It's just we're, we're just changing our minds. When does Tears of the Kingdom's backstory take place remains the question. Three, along similar lines, if I'm following you right, your current assertion is that the Ganondorf of Tears of the Kingdom is the original Ganondorf, and reality the only real Ganondorf, with every other Ganondorf that arises throughout the series being mere puppets or duplicates. Cameron even goes back to Demise's curse and feels much more comfortable employing it now because Demise himself is essentially just the newest iteration of the curse of Ganondorf's unending hatred. By putting Tears of the Kingdom Ganondorf at the very beginning of the story, it undermines the ways that Demise in turns undermine the primacy of Ganon as the series' antagonist. My question is, does it really, though? Literally, yes, it does, but what I mean is, is this really any more satisfying of an explanation just because the first link in the chain is named Ganondorf now? Would Cameron have never had a problem with it whatsoever if Skyward Sword's villain was the same in every respect but was named Ganon? This new guy looks a lot like the old Ganondorf, and he has the same backstory as the old Ganondorf, but he's a completely different guy. And reducing Ocarina of Time Ganondorf to being a mere puppet or reflection of him seems just as damaging to the character as calling him the latest iteration of Demise's curse, if not more so. I was honestly very unsatisfied with how Tears of the Kingdom uses Ganondorf. He has a cool design, and the boss fight against him is rad, but he really wasn't bringing the kind of heat I was expecting. He retreads the exact same ground as he did in Ocarina of Time, but he completely lacks the extra layers of texture he gained in Wind Waker. Even Twilight Princess Ganondorf has a really awesome sense of presence that I think this portrayal struggles to rival. 
Because this version of Ganondorf mostly failed to pop for me, I'm really loath to give him this privileged position as the progenitor of all the great evils of the series. He's exactly as boring as Demise to me, and just uses some references to Ocarina to exploit my nostalgia to try and seem cooler than he is. I don't know, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. Luke. So here's the difference. Demon King Ganondorf is less real than Puppet King. Oh, here we go. Because Demon King Ganondorf has just been a guy in a hole for a million years. He does not control the puppet. The puppet is an independent being. A puppet that came to life, like Pinocchio, if you will. (laughs) Lies of P out now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But he, he is not greater than the other Ganons. He just came first. One of the problems with having so many, um, with these recordings spanning such a length of time, is that our position on Ganondorf and his place in the timeline and the relation of him to other versions of the character has changed since the episode that Luke is referring to. I think that's okay, and actually that's a great thing. We get to mull on it and refine it. But Crystal, you you yes. really like the idea of Ganondorf from Ocarina of Time being an offshoot of Ganon who becomes more real, more important than his progenitor. Yes. And I'm even at the point now where I'm not sure if Tears of the Kingdom Ganondorf is the originator in that sense, that maybe there is some deeper primal evil that goes down to the bottom. In fact, I wonder, since since Impa refers to the Calamity as being primordial, it seems to imply that Ganon itself is older than Hyrule is, that the Calamity is older than the time of most ancient history. It's very, it's potentially very complex, but there's a lot of ways to read it that don't look. And also it should be said that at this point we've generally agreed that Ganondorf, the demon King doesn't only fail to bring the same kind of heat as other versions of Ganondorf. He doesn't bring the same kind of menace as the calamity. Yes. Do you think that's fair, Crystal? Yes. Like, it, 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 they didn't have as good cutscene direction in Breath of the Wild as they did in Tears of the Kingdom. But the giant flying smoke monster outside of the castle constantly always on the horizon is simply unmatched. Demon King Ganon is, at best, 40 to 50 years old. Yes. The Calamity has come across at least 10,000 years. Yeah. So I, 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 I have to say that I also identify with this reticence to give a place of primacy to a villain because you don't like them as much. I've done that with Demise the whole time. <laughs> and Luke, here's the, here's the real secret. That's a perfectly valid reason to build a timeline reading. I like to think, or at least I like to pretend, that that's not the main reason that I made the Accursed Timeline. But on some level it is. On some level... I, it definitely informed all of my readings of the text. Demise is silly, and it's silly that they tried to make a devil that Ganondorf came from. I'd rather him be the puppet of a man who became something else. I do prefer... It does make a difference that it is started off by a man named Ganondorf rather than some god-demon thing, which is supposed to be a concept. Hey, Crystal... If Demise had been mostly the same character, except named Ganon, would that have been more hype? No, because he still is, he doesn't come from anywhere. He's just the the king of demons who comes from hell. Why is he evil? Because he is. 
he he is evil incarnate but you kind of and there's also the implication of the demise curse was not just that that represented ganon but also vati and majora and all the other demonings now what if we just edit demise a little bit and make him a man at the time of hylia who really doesn't like gods which we get the vibes of that in Tears of the Kingdom too. So he is a man. He's not nice. He wants to rule in effect. And through his work in trying to overthrow Hylia, he ascends to demonicness or semi-godliness. But he still came from uh, uh, mortal beginnings. So what if we actually just made him Ganondorf? Yes. Monica, that's, that's saying, what if instead of Demise, it was a completely different character? That yeah. would indeed be better. Yeah. But Crystal, I thought sometimes you like the version of Ganon that's just like this great, vast evil with no clear origin. I like him being a really evil guy that's so evil that he became the Demon King. How about... But I don't like him just being uh, uh, born as the Demon King. Are you okay with it if his origin is mysterious? No, I want him to be a guy. Oh, I feel that. How do you feel about the way that he is in the original Legend of Zelda manga? What is he like in the original Zelda? Oh, you know, the one with the really, really sick art where he appears and steals the Triforce of Power from Zelda's mother. Oh, yeah, that's fine for Ganon. Ganon and Ganondorf are different. Okay, we're talking about Ganondorf exclusively. Yes, Ganondorf needs to be a man. Okay, but if Demise instead had been Ganon with the the Dai Maol, would that have been okay? What if he was piggy? Mm. If, he, if he was a big pig man. That would have been better for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. It's hard to argue with a big pig man. Or if he was a smoke beast. That would have been better. Yeah, I do like big... Fighting against Hylia. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> now I've got your attention. That's pretty good. Hold on. Hold on now. Anyway, the Book of Medora is a land of contrast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Luke. Thanks. Uh, you will be getting an extra large helping of this sometime in the next few months, Luke. Monica, I think you're up for another one. Okay. Like, oh, should we call this the last one for now? One second. Sonai Names. This is from Salvador. Hello, Medora Scholars. Quick question. Do all Zodai names end in Ru, or is it just a family thing for Raru and Minaru? Discuss in groups of three. Thank you for the podcasts. Well, you're you're welcome, Salvador. Uh, what what okay? What do we make of the Zonai names? Their names do both end in Rue. We don't have any other Zonai names. We simply don't. I want to say that it's a family thing. Lomay doesn't end in it. That's true. Lomay does not end in Rue. Siblings sometimes have a shared character in their names. That that makes sense to me. My sister and I share a common character. Oh yeah. In our Chinese names. Cool. This isn't neither here nor there. No, it's cool, though. It is pretty cool of, of connecting two people or, or multiple people. Oh, that's rad. I wish me and my siblings had a shared character. It would mean that English names were a lot different. Yeah, different. I know. I know. But still. Some people name their kids like that, like Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Or when my parents uh, immigrated, they chose... M starting names for everyone. Yes. So we all have the same initials. Yes. Anyway, that's what I think is going on with Mineru and Raru, but not Lomei. 
And I think that's about it for today. That's six emails, which is our usual for right now. If you'd like to send in emails to be read on the podcast, and we will get around to reading all of them, so help us God, send them into Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com. Once more, Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com. Cameron, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at CamWriter for as long as that website still exists. You can find me on Twitter at Arcane Crystal. You can find me on Patreon at Arcane Crystal, where you can listen to this podcast one week early. You can find me. This podcast is hosted by AudioEntropy.com. If you go to that website, go to the About section, you can find a link to the Discord. You can come talk to us about Zelda. You can also listen to other fine podcasts on AudioEntropy.com, such as Eidolon Playtest, an award-winning actual play, two campaigns, Eidolon Disco and Eidolon Ska. Disco set in 1979, stars the founders of a high school mystery club. Ska set in 1999, and stars the latest iteration of the mystery club, trying to figure out what happened to the founders who mysteriously disappeared. That's a hell of an elevator pitch. Award-winning. Award-winning. Award-winning for best concepts. And award-deserving. Are we going into a, a we've pun? Got, we've got one more pun too funny Even for words, so if I Even so bad that I don't find them funny. That's such a achievement. I, think, I love puns. I, I think we I think we have number one left. Yeah, I don't remember which ones we read or didn't. We, I think the last one we read, like we were working our way from the top and you or from the bottom, you skipped a few of them. The last one was two, so number one is the only one left. All right, this comes in from thegamer.com. 13 Legend of Zelda puns that are too hilarious for words. Number one, how did Link win the basketball game? How? Okay, this is an old one, but it has only gotten oh, no. better with time. The hook shot is one of Link's most famous tools, as his fans from even the early days will attest, but it's also a name for a specific move on the basketball court. Why couldn't Link be a basketball player? Wouldn't the use of the hook shot on the court be a foul? Oh, Perhaps no. there's a type of sport in Hyrule similar to basketball that allows the use of hook shots along with Goron Tunis. I'm just standing there in the middle of the court, flipping through. There's nothing in the rule box that says you can't use hook shot when playing basketball. In fact, you explicitly can use a hook shot. <laughs> Link is too short for basketball, I guess. Not no, he's got he's got that great shot though. We watch Slam Dunk. You know the skill outranks everything else. And there's that short guy who does all the yeah, planning yeah, yeah. on the court. I don't remember their name. Good shit. Yeah. Well, I gotta say that was that was orders of magnitude more dreadful than I expected. That was heinous. Thank you for reading through them, Crystal. Thank you, Crystal. You're welcome. Maybe next time we'll have a joke, because that sure wasn't one. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.